This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Okay, guys, welcome back to a new episode of the Unique Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat. I am the host. And before we get started, a quick reminder that although this is a podcast called Unique Therapy and I'm a licensed therapist, this podcast is not a substitute or replacement for actual mental health services. However, we really hope it is helpful on whatever journey you are on or maybe even gets you into finding the services that you need. And today's episode, I mean that especially because we are coming back with round three of this series that I've called The Difference Between. Did that make sense how, why I named it that? Yeah, I thought okay. it was a, a good little okay. like label. Okay. So I have Tara Booker here who is also a licensed therapist who, well, do you call yourself a licensed therapist or a licensed social worker? It depends on who I'm talking okay. to. Well, she's both. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, practice therapy as a licensed social worker. So to say I'm a licensed social worker could mean so many things. That's true. To say I'm a licensed therapist tells you what, what I you do. do. Somebody asked me the difference between. Uh, <laughs> wow, okay, it is a good name. <laughs> Somebody asked me, or I had to fill something out recently that said, what do you do versus what do people think you do? Oh, that's a good question. Well, the way I answered it, because there's so many ways, I think so many people think I do different things, but this is funny. I was going to close on my new house that I live in now. And the, I don't know if he was like the owner of the attorney practice. I don't know what you call those things. But anyway, he was talking and my dad was there. My dad said, what does your daughter do? I don't know why we were talking about his daughter, but he said that. And he goes, I don't really know. She, she talks to people. And my dad was like, so what is her job? And he was like, oh, she's like, she does like some, she's like a counselor. And I was like, so am I. I don't think he knew that. But I was like, I think that's what a lot of people are like. Oh, you just talk to people. Yeah. You just have yeah. conversations. But when I answered it, I said, I think a lot of people think that I am like what I do is I make people like happy mm-hmm. and I like am really soothing all the time and everybody's favorite person when sometimes that's might be true, but a lot of times it's not true. Yeah. And of course, there's different kinds of therapists. So some people might do that. Yeah. But that'd be interesting if you guys sent in like, what do you think a therapist does? Maybe like, you know, now because maybe you go, but what was your preconceived idea before you went? And then how were you surprised? That'd be a good, what is therapy versus what we think it is and what we talk? Well, I guess we're going to actually talk about that. Anyway, (laughs) anyway. All right. So I have Tara here again, obviously. And today we're going to cover a couple things, a lot centered around trauma, I would say. And 
what we're going to do is we're going to start super broad and then we are going to talk about some intricacies of the beginning of what we're going to talk about. And that is, like I said, trauma. What is trauma? What do we think trauma is? What does TikTok say trauma is? We were talking earlier about a way we learned how to describe it that I used to use a lot. And I, in the past couple years, have been like, this is really getting out of hand. And the way I at first would speak about trauma, and I might have even done that on the podcast and said this on the podcast before. So I'm taking responsibility for some of the misconceptions. As I used to say, we grow, we we grow, we learn, we learn more language like we talked about last time. So I used to say trauma is anything less than nurturing, where if you didn't get what you need, what you needed at a time, then that can be a traumatic experience. And that was really helpful to help people understand the difference between these little T traumas and these big T traumas. Have you heard that we're not supposed to say that anymore? I know it can be a minimization of the li- calling it little. I, I understand there's, but it's late. There's black and there's gray to every single thing in the world. It's right. helpful and it can be minimizing. Right. And hopefully, if I'm talking to a person in full conversation about it, yeah, then they understand what the use of little versus big means. Yeah, and I think that's important to say too because. While something might be minimizing to somebody, to somebody else, it might be, right. oh, now I can acknowledge my stuff. That's right. So I'm going to still say that. And Lots of clients still, still tell me that it's it. helpful. Well, and we'll get to, we're going to move into something that like, if it does bother you, we can talk about some things that you might need to do mm-hmm. or might be helpful because we can't control what everybody else does and how they speak. Yeah. So I want to talk about what actually is trauma. So how are we seeing it these days? And I'm going to give you the floor, but how are you seeing it these days? And then as an actual clinician, how would you describe it to a client or even just like a random person that stops you and is like, hey, you're a therapist. What is trauma? It just happens all the time. Yeah. Just on it's the just street. Every, yep. Somebody <laughs> looks at you the wrong way. Trauma. Um, what is trauma? I like to define trauma as a perceived or actual threat to safety oh which can mean a variety of areas we have emotional safety with physical safety with sexual safety spiritual safety mm-hmm. so all the different parts of being a human have different components of what feels safe in those realms of being you so we have emotional needs, we have spiritual needs, we have physical needs, we have sexual needs, right? We have all these different kinds of needs as humans. We understand this about ourselves for the most part. And if there is a threat to those being accessed or being met for me, that I have an emotional sense of safety in the home with the parents that I live with. If I don't have an emotional safety, it's not acceptable for me to cry I might be yelled at. Mm-hmm. I might be ridiculed. If I say that I'm having a hard time at school and somebody says, toughen up, figure it out, like that violates my sense of safety mm-hmm. for an emotional need. And then physical and sexual and spiritual are a little bit more explicit um, in nature to yeah. understand. So can it be true that what is traumatic for me is not traumatic for you? Absolutely. And that might be based on just our makeup, our temperament, and it might be based on our experiences that then create our protective measures. Culture. Yeah, culture. Because I'm just thinking about, let's just go with Christianity, with spiritual safety, Mm -hmm. where somebody might feel like they have spiritual trauma from something they heard or experienced or were taught, but somebody else in that same spot might have felt very like cared for in that Absolutely. same realm. Absolutely. And I think I like bringing that up because I'm so grateful that there's more conversations about the trauma that can happen within a perceived loving environment and how sometimes that's not how we receive it, but that's still a place for a lot of people that they do feel very cared for in. And it's turning this stuff into black and white. I see a lot on TikTok about, oh my gosh, man, I wish I could bring this video up, but there was this video that was explaining how preachers or speakers or whoever are taught to manipulate you 
using different affects of speech and ways mm. of and, and and speeds of speech and and volume taking you on a journey mm-hmm. and i was like okay but like so does music right and i feel like so connected sometimes when i listen to music that gets me into deep space so does therapy like we don't just like in the beginning you come in and we talk at one level and we don't ever change our voice like right. when we're in certain spaces we talk more soft sometimes we need to yell and so i thought that was interesting that somebody was explaining that and also can be really hurtful because it doesn't mean that using a like how we talked about manipulation isn't always bad right using a way of speech that can actually be really helpful to help somebody access a place of vulnerability that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to do yeah and i'm not negating spiritual trauma sure at all but i just think it might be important to know that like what's traumatic for me doesn't mean it has to be traumatic for you absolutely Hey guys, Kat here, and I have something very important to talk to you guys about. Now, I know you're used to hearing me talk about therapy and how important it can be for you and how transformative it can be for you in your life. But if you're somebody who's tried therapy and it just hasn't done the trick, or you just need a little extra boost, I think I've found the next best thing. And the next best thing might just be Cozy Earth and their bamboo sheets and their bamboo pajamas. It feels like you are stepping into a buttery, cozy, warm, and cool hug all at the same time. And that's just their pajamas. Don't even get me started on their sheets. As soon as I touched them, I said, okay, we're changing the sheets right now. And the bonus is they come in this really cute travel tote so you can take your sheets with you wherever you go. Elevate your summer getaway with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding and loungewear, ensuring the comfort of home wherever you roam. We're all in luck because you can discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code UNEED at checkout to get 35% off. Yes, 35% off. And let them know that we sent you You Need Therapy after you check out. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I also read a article, and I used it for an episode I forget which one, but it was an article titled, If Everything is Trauma, Is Anything Trauma? And I liked what she was saying. She was not a mental health professional, and she was very open about that. She was just, like, putting a conversation out there. Just, like, if everything is gaslighting, is anything gaslighting? Yeah. Side note, somebody lying to you is not gaslighting. But how would you answer that question? Or how would you even Mm -hmm. dive into that conversation if somebody was like, well, it seems like everything's traumatic now. So is everything traumatic? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll work around that definition that I gave as a perceived or real threat to say mm-hmm. a sense of safety. When we think about the idea of threat, that's a high level of an experience of a word. I think 
sometimes I might have an experience, like I'm trying to think of a different kind of example. So those examples that I gave were real threats to a sort of, like if someone's raging in my house, there's an obvious threat to my physical safety. If my parents tell me, get over it, toughen up, that's an explicit threat to my emotional safety. If I maybe have like a boss or a coworker who is like, this isn't this, you know, I come in and I'm like, I'm not present, like I'm not able to think in a meeting or something. And I'm tell my boss, you know, they were like, check in with me after and they're like, hey, you didn't have like you weren't didn't have your ideas together. You didn't have feedback on this idea. What happened? And you say, you know, I had a really bad situation at home last night with my family and your boss maybe says I understand but this is your job and you've got to come in prepared or you need to let me know that you can't work that day and you need to take like a sick day like I understand but this isn't the space where you've you can bring that you know maybe that's a way that people might talk about that in those kind of like workspaces then I think that's where it could be perceived as like, oh, this isn't supportive of my emotional safety here. Because technically that's not what they're doing. They're not there to support right. your emotional okay. safety. That, okay, I like that. So then we could like break down what does it mean? Like is it a real threat just because in a certain space I'm not experiencing that nurture? Well, I'm wanting somebody to play a role that it's not their role. Mm-hmm. So I think that was actually really helpful. Mm-hmm. And that still can be traumatic for somebody because maybe they have experiences where they don't know where to turn to or who should be the people that nurture them or any there's so much nuance in that it's making me think of the interview I did with JP Sachs that came out I don't know if this was in the episode that came out last week or the week before I think it was last week but he was talking about masculinity and how he was like I don't want to throw out like all of the parts of masculinity just because I don't want to live in a toxic masculinity culture. And for example, he was like, I'm a professional athlete and somebody says something mean to me on the court, like I need to be able to hold it together so I can finish my job and not start crying or weeping and maintain what I need to maintain while I'm working. Later, I might have a moment with somebody, I'm ad-libbing some of this, adding to what he said, maybe I might have a moment with a friend or a teammate or something, but on the court is not the time for me to have that experience. And I think that's part of the human experience is there are times where we can let everything go and there are times when we just have to, and it sounds like I'm like forcing trauma on somebody as I say this, but there's times that we have to find ways to cope until we can get to that place. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that there's moments when it is egregious, like it's an egregious violation of my safety in those areas. And that's traumatic in any realm, in the workplace. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like that, that's, it's possible in those spaces too. And I think if we're thinking like zooming out and thinking about those areas of my life being supported and having security that they are nurtured and on the whole, then I might, know that that's not a place where yeah. I have to experience that yeah. as being nurtured or taken care of or supported yeah. there because I have other places where to, I'm going, going to experience to. that. Somebody wrote on Instagram uh, that we have to stop calling work a family. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. And I sometimes do. I'm like, it's like, it's like my sister. Sure. And your boss is going to treat you differently than your mom. That's right. Your coworker is going to treat you differently than your sister or brother. And there are expectations of family and then there's expectations of work environments and we are convoluting them. I think this, what you're saying is speaking a lot to that. Yeah. All right, so now that we got that part out of the way. I'm gonna add one thing about the perceived or real. Okay. I think that's something that can be confusing just to know. If someone is raging in your home and they never actually hit you, but they break a bunch of stuff. Your body doesn't know Mm -hmm. the difference between I am in threat versus the room is in threat. Like your body doesn't know the difference between perceived or actual. If Mm -hmm. I think I might get hit by an object or the person at any moment because they are so obviously out of control, then my body is in a state of threat to my safety just as much as it would be if that person was directing it at me. Mm -hmm. So 
that's something where it's like, even if it didn't happen. It doesn't really matter. If it wasn't severe enough of a threat around you, you perceived that you were about to fall off a cliff, even though you weren't about to fall off a cliff, you still had the harness or whatever. I don't know. Your body doesn't necessarily know the difference. Well, your brain might. That makes me think of like war. Speaking of like what's going on in Ukraine and, and all of that, like your city, although if you were living in Ukraine, it probably did happen. But even if your home doesn't get bombed, you are still sitting there knowing that bombs could happen at any moment. So that's a constant state yeah. of fear and yeah. threat. And yeah, you might make it out alive and you didn't get actually bombed and you were able to escape you still thought that that was going to happen. So I think there's a lot of things like that where like somebody might be like, I was never going to hit you. And it's like, well, I didn't know you were, you you look like you lost control. So how was I supposed to know that you could know not to hit me and to just throw that bowl? Right. So I'm glad you said that. Yeah. So let's talk about PTSD for a second. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to get into all the ins and outs of it because it's way too big for that. But something I hear often is, sorry, I was having PTSD or I have PTSD, or I just had a PTSD moment. And I get the sentiment, I totally do. And it can be something that I think some people use as humor. But again, as when we do this, it does convolute the meaning. And so what does it actually mean to have PTSD? We're not gonna, here's what we're not gonna do. We're not giving you complete diagnostic criteria where now you are able to go diagnose yourself and other people. We're just explaining what it actually is versus how we're, using it day to day yeah well that's the first point is that it is a diagnosis yeah it's not just an experience that you might have Mm. where you can say not a feeling it's not a feeling it's not like that was trauma i had anxiety in that moment like it's a diagnosis of a disorder which means it comes with a lot of criteria you have to meet a lot of different things and experiences have had to been going on for you to even qualify to have a post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think some like maybe key points would be it is prolonged. Like this is something that kind of you live with, like mm-hmm. as if you had hypertension or something for a period of, you know, a year or two years, like you would be having post-traumatic stress disorder technically be living with it every day for potentially a long period of time until you got healing or treatment that you might need to decrease the severity of those symptoms and you might not even qualify Mm -hmm. after you had you know a certain amount of treatment so it's not something that you just kind of have like a one-off experience of like this one time i had ptsd yeah like (laughs) doesn't happen or right now this this because it reminded me of something and i'm over you know overwhelmed by this i'm having ptsd it's it's really chronic really in a lot of ways something that i that's interesting that you said something that reminds you of another experience that you've had once that might shake you a little bit or again offer some anxiety inside of your body or some fear that's not PTSD. That's literally what I just said. And those are... To reaction. Yes. Yeah. To so I think it's fair to have that. We have those moments where um, maybe it's in a relationship where, oh my gosh, this feels like something I experienced that was less than nurturing in my past relationship. That doesn't mean I'm having PTSD. That sentence study doesn't even fit. Yeah, yeah. You either have the disorder every day of your life or you don't. Or you don't. Just because you have trauma doesn't also mean you have PTSD. It's because you might have had that experience where you had a real threat to your safety and it didn't live unresolved in your body and prolonged in where you still carry that in a way as if it's currently happening to you. Let's say I had some emotional neglect as a child and... For whatever reason, maybe I was parentified or I was a surrogate spouse, meaning I I had to take on roles that weren't typical of a kid. And then later in life, I am very independent and I maybe lean more avoidant on the attachment scale. What would you say to somebody who's like, well, because of my PTSD, I do this. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. some trauma and it is affecting the way I live my life. But does that mean that I now have this chronic diagnosis that I can 
express. Well, based on the the criteria that you just gave me about what you're doing now, that okay. doesn't qualify you for PTSD. It's really, really disruptive mm-hmm. to your well-being, PTSD, Which, to your ability to function at various levels of life. I think that's important to say. And it does not mean that there are not some things that you might need and some things you might want to work on in therapy. Mm-hmm. Just because you don't have a diagnosis of PTSD, it doesn't mean that you don't have some maladaptive coping strategies that you might want to work on, or you might want to bring your attachment into a more secure place. That does not mean that. So again, I'm going to say this a bajillion times, we're not minimizing your experience because it still sounds like there's some work to do. Yeah, I think I use words like it's a dysfunctional pattern yeah. in your life. You came from a dysfunctional family system or that was one of the dysfunctional elements of your family and that's the dysfunctional role that you've taken yeah. on in yeah. response to being in that dysfunctional yeah. system. So speaking of PTSD, can we talk about dissociating? Yeah. Okay. So I want you guys to think about what you think in the realm of mental health of what it means for me to dissociate. Think about what comes to your mind and then we're gonna talk about in the realm of trauma and mental health what that actually means. Because I do think there's multiple ways to look at this. I can dissociate and zone out, right? There's a very long scale of dissociation. Okay, so can you speak to that? Yeah. So dissociation is a very natural mechanism in the human system. And there's a scale from like mild to severe, if we think about it that way. Uh, Mild would be something that we all do on a regular basis in our lives. It's like the brain's ability to leave specific the specific attention on the moment that you're in and go somewhere else if we were putting it really simply so mild ways that we do that that are actually pretty functional for the getting stuff done in our lives Mm -hmm. would be if I'm driving home and I'm making a list of stuff I need to get at the grocery Mm -hmm. and I don't actually remember turning on that street turning on the next street and then all of a sudden I'm at the stop sign right before my house I got there without having to have so much of my brain's full attention on that activity that I was presently in because I could go on autopilot because I've done it a million times. I don't have to give my full attention to this present task. Mm -hmm. I can go somewhere else and actually kind of do another task in my head and still do the thing that I'm in in my present life. So that's a very mild, normal. People do these different levels and variations of that all the time, all the time. So the reason why we can do anything is because it's a part of our normal functioning, right? Mm-hmm. So like anxiety and everything is a part of our normal functioning mm-hmm. and there's a range to all of them that become disruptive and really maladaptive. So then you get to higher levels of dissociation and this is where you may have had a traumatic experience and you don't remember it. Yeah, You can't actually access like visual images. You weren't even under the influence of something that might have intoxicated you to take away your memory. But your brain kind of took you out of the present moment, turned off your present awareness of it. And so it's not stored as easily, easily accessible in your memory bank to be able to pull that up. And then there's higher levels than that where you literally lose days or hours of time in your life because you're dissociative to such a high degree. You still are moving around to Mm -hmm. in certain, it depends on people's ability of what they can do when they're at high levels. But a lot of times, like I've heard clients who have really high, like who qualify for a dissociative disorder, have driven to different and woke up is what they'll call it. It's like I woke up in a different state. Like a... Not state of being, but a state on in the United States. Yeah, yes. like I drove yeah. like eight hours yeah. somewhere and didn't know how I got yes. there. Yes, yeah. Because, so you're driving, like you're, I mean, this is the magic of the human body. It can still do things without it can your live awareness. Through something. Yeah. You don't, it doesn't need your awareness yeah. to be able to function and do lots of mechanisms. Well, I think that's where like the body is so fascinating and incredible and we're going to continue to learn more things as the the world moves on but where like this thing that's actually super normally helpful in everyday life in traumatic experiences our body or our mind 
takes that and uses it for good because I'm protecting you. Yeah, for protection. And then it turns into this thing that, I mean, we're not really in control of it anyway, but then it turns into this thing that actually can become very dysfunctional and disruptive in our lives. Where over here, when I'm getting to the grocery store and I have my list in my brain, super helpful and functional. Over here, we've taken this skill and we've used it to protect us, but now it's created some kind of dysfunction in our life. We don't need to fix the dissociation where you got to the grocery store. Right. We might need to fix the dissociation where you're driving across state lines mm-hmm. without knowing. Or you were in a work meeting for two hours yeah. and you have no idea what happened. Right. Yes. Because you yeah. were dissociated to that level. Mm-hmm. Like there, those are the kind of maybe middle range where people who are walking around. Yeah. And dissociation is one of the criteria for PTSD. Yeah. One of many. Yeah. So. And I do think that's, I don't want people to get com- confused with like daydreaming. Right. Zoning because, out. Yeah. I think that also comes with just the um, neurotypical versus neurodivergent. Like, yeah. Some people just... Uh, yeah, I, away. Yes, I literally... Not because they're stressed. No, I'm just like, oh, there's a thing over there. What story can I make up about that? And I'm like, wait a second. But that is a whole different ballgame. There's actually different ways to help alleviate that if it's causing some disruption in your life. Right. Okay, so next thing I want to talk about. Yeah, I like to say also... Okay. If you say I'm dissociating right now, you're probably not dissociating. <laughs> You're not aware. Well, I shouldn't laugh at that, but I think I'm laughing because it's like it shouldn't be such it's a kind of antithetical to the whole. Yeah, notion. right. And when I have experienced somebody in that state, when they wake up from that state, I have to explain what happened. And sometimes they're like, huh, what? So if you are like in a therapy session, you're like, I'm sorry, I'm dissociating. No, I think that you might be avoiding. Yeah, and if you've actually been doing a lot of work around identification of dissociation and trying to work the muscles of like staying present and mindfulness and grounding, you will start to realize when it starts to move Move you away and you'll be able to start to catch it. So there is that level, but you will have had to do a lot of work around that. To get to that place. Yeah, yeah. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford. And I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. A common thing I also hear, this is in everyday language, whether you're in a therapy office or you're hanging out with your friends, is, oh my gosh, I had a panic attack. Oh my gosh, I'm having a panic attack. Can you tell us what a panic attack is? (laughs) 
So some of the things that it lists specific to panic attack are there's a lot of physiological symptoms happening, a lot in your body. Fear, it's like fear of losing control Mm -hmm. or death, rapid heart rate, sweating, trembling, shaking, shortness of breath, hot flashes, nausea, chest pain, headache, dizziness, feeling of I'm not in reality right now. Where am I? It's intense, like high, high level of, like really you'd be at a 10 on the zero to 10 scale of anxiety or distress. And it's sudden, like it really comes out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, and they're usually panic attacks are usually short because your body won't actually even be able to tolerate that level Mm -hmm. of like a high heart rate or things like that for a very long time. You might still linger in like kind of after effects of like still not feeling calm. Yeah, you won't feel calm. You're probably flustered. Yeah, but that level of I'm about to die. That's essentially what your body, if you were yeah. giving your body's reaction language, whatever it's happening, it would it would be to that level of expression. I am about to die right now. Get me out of here. Even when you actually are not going to die. Absolutely. And so I think something to zone in on if you're listening and you're like, I use that or I say that or, or am I having panic attacks? There is a high heart rate. Oftentimes it feels like you cannot breathe and it is not going to last you for hours. That is very key where I can have high anxiety in my body for hours and not be able to fully self-soothe myself. But that might not be a panic attack. That might be something else. Yeah, I think there's anxiety, which is has a whole spectrum of like what's normal and yeah. then what's kind of hard and then what's intolerable. And that's one like that's kind of the key ingredient to panic mm-hmm. is anxiety. But I don't know. I'm just thinking about. Some of my most, some of my most dysregulated experiences, moments in life, rather than even like information from clients or something like that. But just from a personal perspective, I think about the level of just again, like the level of disruption that it might have to the moment that you're in. Mm -hmm. Can I even get myself to grab a essential oil or pick up the phone and like or put on a meditation or something like that if I can access some of those skills or even try to do them I might not be at the level of panic I guess I might because there's there's never an absolute to these things everybody's different but I might be having really a high high level of anxiety moment um but I'm thinking about so when I found out the night that my brother died Mm. I think if I was just talking like flippantly about that, I might be like, I was having a panic attack, like in the way that people, because it was one of the highest levels of stress and emotional distress that that I've ever ever experienced in my life. I actually, when I look at myself and when I even kind of was in myself, I I mean, I've done a lot of work too on myself to be able to, to manage hard things in life. So I was okay. And there was like this, sliver of like that core part of me that knew I'm not dying right now I'm just in immense pain pain yeah and I don't know what to do with myself that's so important at all that's so important the difference between being (laughs) in immense pain and the difference between having a panic attack because now a panic attack is painful I'm kind of thinking about what you're saying and applying that to my experiences as well and I've had moments where I have been like hysterically crying like had to pull off the road like my heart rate is fast but I also know that this is due to this experience that I'm having and I'm actually just really sad and I don't know how to soothe myself with my sadness and I also have had moments where out of nowhere my heart has been racing really 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 fast and I have all these feelings flooding my brain I don't actually know what they're from and that I wouldn't classify as a panic attack either, but I don't think that's important because I don't think that what we're talking about, the difference between, is that important for those kinds of things? Because when it comes down to it, you can use that verbiage if it fits for you. What I really want to clear this up is that every time we feel a little nervous or we get some news that we don't like and we do cry or we have a feeling that is not great, or we have a higher level of anxiety that, than we normally have. I have to use a skill. That doesn't mean that I'm having 
a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And it, it's necessary because I think if that's happening, I actually need to connect what I'm feeling to what's going on so then I can actually meet the need mm-hmm. that I need to meet. Yeah. So I think when it comes down to it, it's not the biggest deal to be like, that was, that wasn't, right. that was, that wasn't. In these more higher intense experiences, unless you're trying to seek medication for panic attacks and you actually don't need that and then it ends up just numbing your emotional experience. Because I personally, I can say this far out from it, would not want to numb that experience that I had where I was very elevated and hysterically crying because to me, it was a way for me to get out a lot of the emotional pain that was like just bubbling up inside of my body. Yeah. So I don't want to take medication for that because that, that was helpful to me. I feel the same way. I wouldn't wanted to have any less of that experience around my grief. Yeah. Like that's precious to me. It's a connection to that person, to the the relationship, to their life, yeah. to their existence. And again, like there are levels of that I think that are intolerable and people have to yeah. literally hold right. hold someone on the ground while they're in the midst of like out of control yeah. feeling. I think that's something that I think does feel like really distinct when people are using the word. It's when they feel out of control. control. And, you know, experiences like that that you had could lead to you having panic attacks yes if i am connecting that experience with other perceived threats right yeah i've had some anxiety yeah what i would call yeah high levels for me because i'm not a very anxious person yeah and so also my scale is different Mm -hmm. than other people's so which is really important to know i don't because i don't experience a lot when i have probably like a level five, it feels pretty hard for me to sit with. Yeah. Um, because I'm normally at like a one. Yeah. You know, so I've had intense moments of anxiety about other people in my life. My brother died from an addiction who have addictive issues. And all of a sudden, I can't get a hold of them. Uh-huh. And my mind is not actually reacting just to that present person. It's, it's reacting both to the fact to the experience that my brother died and that's what that could mean if this person is not mm-hmm. answering me right now and if you know depending on my level of stability in my own emotional wellness and how much I'm kind of really like yeah. feeding that in my life and getting my needs met I could be having panic every time yeah. I don't hear from a certain yeah. person I yeah. could be having a panic attack every time yeah. that happened to me um, if I had a lot of unresolved you know, wounds around that. Yeah. Well, it makes me kind of think about two things. One, people who have this intense fear of flying that popped in my head when you said perceived threat Mm. because planes have crashed before. You might not have ever been in one of those planes, but you know that planes have crashed before. And so there's every time you step on this plane, there's a perceived threat, even though you are safe. And that could send you into a state of panic because you are not in control you are not in control of the plane or what happens to that plane the same thing in relationships when let's say you got blindsided and somebody broke up with you and then you're in another relationship and everything's going swimmingly right but now you live in the space where there can always be a perceived threat because Mm -hmm. something happened out of nowhere maybe and so you could be having a great day and maybe you're having like a wonderful time with your partner some someday maybe you're on a vacation and you just go into a panic because you have this awareness that i'm not in control and this is actually feeling good so i want to hold on to it but i'm not in control of what happens and anything can happen so there's a lot of ways that this can show up and happen in your life i think what might be important if you feel like you are struggling with or from having these panic attacks or panic in your life would be to talk to a mental health professional and say like, I don't know what this is. It feels like this. How do I find a way to cope with this or alleviate this? Because I don't want it to keep, nobody wants that to keep happening. We don't want that to keep happening to you. Versus, oh, I'm just having this moderate level of anxiety that maybe I need to, to work with and learn how to sit with discomfort. Yeah. And I think we use the word attack if it lasts a long time like if I'm feeling yeah. anxious for an hour it's and I haven't attack. been able to like get over it or let yeah. it go or get back associated to my life I think sometimes that's when we use a word like anxiety attack yeah. again but it's just you know it's not the necessarily the wrong word but for me 
I would just say I was really stuck in anxiety about this. I was stuck in fear about this for longer than I would have wanted to be. And I tried some things and I, yeah, it maybe didn't automatically relieve me of that. And I think going back to what you said in the first episode we did is some people just want language to explain their experience. And if we have limited language, then everything is a panic attack or everything is an anxiety attack. I don't know what to call prolonged anxiety. So the whole point of this whole series is to help people understand and give language that better helps them explain and understand their experience. So we have more for you. Don't worry. This episode is coming to an end, but there is another one that I think you guys are going to be very interested in and might be a little bit of a hot take. Mm -hmm. Just teasing a little bit. Yeah. I think I want to say something in all of these episodes like I wish I had this like almost as a tagline on every single bit of these that we're talking about which is at the heart what I think for you and I about having these kind of conversations and giving different language and trying to give some more accuracy to specific language and experiences is not to minimize diminish or to box in certain things to say this can't be this or this can't be that But for me, and what I think for you too, is it's really about wanting mental health information to empower people, which we did say before, Mm -hmm. and to not fragilize people. Oh my God. Yes. And that's all this is about. And there is a really fine line about how this stuff can affect us. Yeah. I think, you know, when someone gets a diagnosis of this is PTSD and they actually are like, Oh my gosh, that's what's happening. And they have that moment of relief where things make sense and they don't feel like they're crazy person who's out of control of themselves. That's the empower side of having language that's accurate to describe. This is a real thing. This is what you're experiencing. And then there's, there's probably a moment after that where they're like, Oh shit. (laughs) Yeah. This is, I'm stuck with this. What does this mean? Am I, you know, going to be able to live my life? That fear of kind of fragilization kind of might enter. It's Mm -hmm. not that it's not a part of it. But I think if we get stuck in that where it's to say you have PTSD and I walk around with that as my identity and I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I'm, this is me. This is me. And I feel I've taken it on as a thing that actually limits my capacity to be and live the way I want to live in my life. It's not helped me at that point. No. And I think a lot of the stuff I see over and over again, I'm so freaking glad you said that. I'm going to save that as a special clip because so much of what I see on the internet. And again, I don't know that most of it is trying to cause harm. I do think some of it has, Uh, motives of trying to gain followers and make money which like I'm a therapist and like I go to work to make money too my goal is always to have a client eventually say they don't want to come back that's right so if I was an influencer like that wouldn't work because then I would want my followers to unfollow me because they wouldn't need my information and the way stuff is postured is you're going to have to continue to come back because now you are this fragile person who I have the answers to your stuff and these are the answers I'm going to tell you what they are like I see so much of if you've experienced this that means you have this and you're you do this and I'm like well wait a second where's the like and you don't have to anymore <laughs> like and where's the like we're all different so maybe I had that experience but I don't do that but now I'm questioning everything I do it's like when we took when I took the DSM class in grad school every day I left class being like well now I have schizophrenia and now I have this <laughs> and now I have this I had like 17 diagnoses and yeah maybe I might actually have some of those but I didn't have the majority of them because if we work hard enough, all of this stuff, it's human behavior. Mm-hmm. But it's to what level does this human behavior show up? Mm-hmm. So I'm very glad you said that. And I want you guys to hear that over and over again. That Because I think we will say things and we'll continue to say things that might not land well with everybody. Mm-hmm. And so knowing the intention, because I know people say that impact is more important than intention. But I think intention is very important. Mm-hmm. And knowing the intention of what we're doing, I think can help people hear what we're saying with a better ear. Right. So that does it for today. Tara doesn't want you to follow her on Instagram. <laughs> it's not a professional account. It's personal. <laughs> I should really appreciate that. So no thanks. No, thank you. Um, you can follow the podcast at, at Uni Therapy Podcast. You can follow my Instagram at cat.defada. However, 
it's also not a professional account. So if you are my client, you cannot follow the Instagram and I will remove you with a loving heart just to maintain some um, boundaries. But if you have any questions, if you have any feedback, please email Catherine at Union Therapy Podcast. I love getting your emails. I got a lot of feedback from the episodes we've done so far. I've gotten some suggestions of things to talk about. So I, I appreciate that you guys are taking this in and it's being helpful and that you guys are also curious about more things because, yeah, we need to be more curious rather than take everything at face value because it sounds nice or exciting or just bold. So I hope you have the day you need to have. I'm going to go do that. Hopefully you're going to go do that. And I will talk to you guys on Wednesday for Couch Talks. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.